When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes, we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be (laughs) chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s and just learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun and we We have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Hell yes. Um, Also, (laughs) we'll be answering listener questions. So make sure to write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. So let's jump into the show. Hey guys. Hey. It's Elizabeth and Alex. And today we're doing something really special. We have a beauty school episode for you, but we're bringing in a special guest because, I mean, we don't know everything. And this beauty (laughs) school episode is really about just being a bad bitch with a bad bitch house. (laughs) Yes. Because, I mean, I don't know, I at some point would love to own something. The dream is in New York City, but I mean, actually, after speaking to today's guest, I believe that's, that, that that is going to happen. So today we're speaking with our friend and client, Sydney Blumstein, and Sydney a bad bitch because she, her family is from the Blumstein Group, which is one of the largest real estate groups in New York City. Yeah, they're within um, Corcoran. Yeah. So Sydney is a native New Yorker. Mm-hmm. She was born and raised in Greenwich Village. Her parents are top brokers, mm-hmm. um, which is where she got her flair for being a broker. And they raised her and her brother in their quote-unquote starter apartment, which was a 2,500-square-foot <laughs> loft they purchased in the mid-'70s. I have to say, it sounds like like New York City legend, like one of those legendary yes. lofted village apartments that you hear about, or that you see in movies. It very much sounds like one of those awesome places, which is if I bought that place in the 70s, it would make me want to get into real estate too. So brava to Maris. Totally. And yeah, so Sydney joined the family biz mm-hmm. and she did that like 15 years ago. So she has 15 years of knowledge under her belt that she shared with us today. Yeah. And it's so informative. And if you are someone who already lives in New York City, or maybe you want to move to New York City, you're, you're probably going to want to because she's going to tell you totally. 
yeah why um as far as like the real estate market goes but i think this is really more i mean yes y'all are all welcome but <laughs> but more so for us who i think this is for us here. i think this is for us from who've been here who for are just like years. middle class people who want to own and just like never really thought that that would be possible because the real estate here is so expensive and up until recently we kind of as we talk about nobody really moved to new york for the apartments like you moved to new york for the culture and your apartment was just this place where you kept your stuff and woke up every morning and left so I think that we all just like accepted a lot of stuff that we shouldn't have accepted because it's New York right Mm -hmm. after I moved I realized that I believed that the place that I used to live in was quote-unquote nice because I paid so much for renting it you know and so I was like well this is like $2,500 a month this is a nice apartment right but lies it wasn't (laughs) just (laughs) is written you get your real estate they get you and so after living here for so long you know, you probably want to own and you probably until recently didn't think that that was possible. But the pandemic kind of opened up our eyes to what could be. Yeah. And I really like Sydney for many reasons, but I like that she clearly has dealt with sales and rentals of apartments from like everywhere on the spectrum, mm-hmm. like not just for super wealthy people, totally, but for people buying, you know, a very modest co-op mm-hmm. in Queens, you yes. know, like, yeah. I like that. Yeah. She kind of, she gets it. She's well-rounded in totally. the industry. Yeah. And she's young. I mean, yeah, uh, she's, she's in her 37, late 30s. which to me is young. But if you're in your 20s, I guess that's old. But <laughs> <laughs> to me, like, she's a peer who um, has valuable information that I think that we could all use. And on our bit, and on our bitch, on our road to bad bitchdom. <laughs> Learning things like this is important because, you know, unfortunately, also as we speak about, this is something that they don't teach you in college. They don't teach you in high school. Like, you know, most people probably get their real estate knowledge from their parents. And if your parents don't know anything, then what do you really know? So I think it's important to talk about with your homegirls. It's important to talk about with your friends. And when we meet people who can talk about this in a way that makes sense and is logical and is rational, I think that we should bring them to you guys. That's what Yeah. Yeah. So something new that we're kind of trying to start is a weekly beauty treatment to go with the pod. And so this week I was thinking since in real time last week was a real a shit fire dump. A shit <laughs> a shit fire dump is the only way to describe it. We way. went as a country so far past rock bottom God. I didn't think it was possible. So I'm sure that everybody out there is feeling a lot of anxiety and stress and like just what the fuck you know so in saying all of that i made up a little recipe for you gals Mm. and it is uh how to make yourself a bad bitch tea so (laughs) (laughs) essentially you deserve a really lovely bath and i did this for myself the other day i ran a hot bath and i used an herbal blend of chamomile calendula eucalyptus rose i put in a Mm. pound of epsom salts i got an organic uh bubble bath (laughs) And so nice. It was incredible. Optional, booze or blunt. That's your choice. Yes. Actually, unless you don't drink or smoke, I feel like they shouldn't be optional. Should be mandatory. (laughs) For kind of it it makes your bath ten times better than you thought it could ever be. Yes. So after you listen to this episode, you deserve that. You go do that. And enjoy this episode with uh, Sydney Blumstein. Yeah, enjoy. (laughs) 
Well, my name is Sydney Blumstein. I am a really proud native New Yorker. It's one of the top three things I talk about. I currently live in East Williamsburg in my dream home, which is a converted warehouse that, yeah, I'm lucky enough to share it with my husband. And then we converted it to a two family townhouse. So my brother and his girlfriend live on the other side. Um, And we're actually all four native New Yorkers. So we're all channeling growing up in the city. And we really wanted to create an affordable art and event space, especially for creatives. So we rent out our space hourly, nightly, not yet for longer than that, but it's a pandemic. So who knows? Yeah. And I work in a family business, which was originally not by choice, but now is. <laughs> I originally <laughs> joined my, <laughs> my parents told me I grew up in a loft on 11th between Broadway and University. And it was, it is the coolest apartment I've ever been in. Wow. My parents bought it for $36,000 in 1975. Wow. And it's 2,500 square feet. Wow. Holy um, shit. Those it's are like, epic. Yeah, that's like the New York City dream. Like those are the the legendary apartments that you hear about. The legendary yeah, buys that parents, you hear about. Exactly. <laughs> I think they, they had to borrow all the money. Everybody told them they were overpaying. They found it in the Village Voice. So cute. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And when I graduated from college, they were like, of course you can live with us till you turn 30. And I was like, well, that's amazing. That's awesome. Because <laughs> they're cool and they party. Um, <laughs> they, like, I can do this. <laughs> your mom. And they let me throw parties dope. there. Yeah. yeah. And the trade-off was that I had to get my real estate license. So originally it was like a trade-off. And here we are gosh, like 15 years later, and it is, it's slowly becoming a real passion. It took me a while to come to terms with it, because who wants to do what your parents want you to do, even if your parents are cool? Totally. Um, That's really nice to hear. I've been wondering that. I always wondered that, like, if your parents are really dope, do you just, like, trust that? Or are they still your parents? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Totally. Um, I have a question. So when they bought that place in the 70s were they already working in real estate they were not it's actually my parents have only been doing real estate only but my mom since 91 and my dad since 2000 so it was so it's like later later in life yeah Yeah. um and it was actually because my parents switched who was going to be the at-home parent when I was 10 so my mom was at home with us my dad worked in fashion Mm -hmm. and then when he turned 50 he was like I need a radical life change I want to be home with the kids and my mom got into real estate and now she is the boss boss lady top 25 brokers in our company everybody knows her name she also has like a big blonde throwy kind of hair situation and really stands out my dad is bald so the combo of them is really (laughs) striking that's very cute also I mean she kind of got into real estate at a very important time in in New York City you know early 90s like that that's Mm -hmm. when my parents bought their apartment in the city And I think a lot of people were because some neighborhoods were starting to be like, get a little better. Mm -hmm. I mean, even before that, but like, that's so interesting. Yeah. She also picked an industry where women were really empowered. You know, Mm -hmm. most of the major companies in New York were started by or are run by women. Mm -hmm. And only recently has the industry become more equal in terms of who participates in it. But prior to that, it was really dominated by women so much so that 
gender inequity in the workforce was something I only ever heard about but never really noticed in my career. Why do you think that is, that women, that's the space that was so dominated by women? So this is now going to sound very gendered and old school, but real estate used to be a really unprioritized career. Mm. And overall, residential real estate happened at off hours where moms could do it in addition Mm. to being moms. So you drop your kids off and while your kids are at school or after school was a great time to show. And I know at least growing up, like we went to Sunday open houses with my mom always. We thought it was so fun I mean it was a different time she like made chocolate chip cookies in all the apartments she was she had a suburban mentality but I know that she was able to do things with us as well I was a big athlete so she was able to come to all my sporting events because of the flexibility of the schedule as well because you make your own schedule Mm -hmm. that makes sense I nannied in high school for a family the dad was retired but the mom was a real estate agent and she was like one of the top in our town and she was super yeah. busy, but she always made yeah, you're right. like um, time thinking. for her kids, you know, and like took them right. all their things. But even like in in uh, like pop culture, whenever you think about like I'm thinking about like American Beauty, right? The mom yeah. was like, yes. a real estate agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah I never my really... mother-in-law is a real estate agent, and she raised my husband as a single parent for a long time. That's so cool, but she was able to. Yeah. So is do you have cool. a I never relationship about it, or yeah. with Barbara? So Barbara started the company. There's an epic podcast, much like this one, um, on how I built this, yes, where I, she's interviewed about her beginnings. Yes, I, did to I did listen I to it, to. and that's why I know she's a baddie. And so when you and I, so let me just kind of back up. Our relationship yes. sort of started because you came into the studio one day, and I was yes. asking you, and we just sort of hit it off. And I was telling you how I just moved and I'm in this great apartment that I love now. And I started kind of going off about just like housing rights, like as human rights overall. And you're like, girl, we got to talk. I've got so much to say. <laughs> and you're like, my background, this is my family. Da, da, da. I want this platform to be able to talk to women about like ownership and about like all the secrets about real estate in New York. And I was like, girl, come on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I happen to have a platform Do where it. we can talk about all of these yeah. things. But in, you sort of offhandedly, as New Yorkers do, said, my family is part of the Corcoran group. So, yes. And I was like, oh, my God, I know that Babs is a fucking baddie. So, like, where <laughs> yes. is this, like, connection sort of? So just so the listeners know, that's kind of like how you and I met each other and why we brought you in here to talk to us about just, like, housing, period, but especially in New York. Yeah, and even meeting you was such a cool thing because I had lived on the waterfront in Williamsburg, but living in East Williamsburg was new for me, and I feel like a really cool part of our shared neighborhood is small business, which has never been more imperative than now, and also you two ladies, like, doing this in addition to what you're already offering, like, glam service is imperative right now for us to feel good is really important and it's not something we take for granted anymore you know I really look forward to my glam appointment and also chatting with you you were being so transparent with me about your housing and your upgrade and how you were able to take advantage of this market Mm -hmm. and I think with the exception of the 70s or the early 90s or like right around the Lehman crash, we haven't really had an opportunity in our demographic to move into places that are sort of bigger than what we thought we could afford. Totally. Even myself in my space right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had to get creative 
live with my brother, rent out the space. But the past year, subleasing and renting hasn't been a possibility. So we've had to adjust as well. Mm-hmm, but totally. supporting your business, being in a small business and starting to talk about my business, I don't usually think about my business as a small business because mm-hmm. we're a big team and we're part of a big company that everybody knows. But Barbara Corcoran did start a small business, which mm-hmm. she actually sold in 2000, I think it's 2007, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to get this number wrong, but I think she sold it for $70 million, wow. which is an epic sum, yeah. but unfortunately, like within four years of that, we were selling single apartments for that price. Nice. So, you know, when you think that the company is always taking 30 or 40% of the commissions on a sale, mm-hmm. like that's insane. But right. I also know from my mom that Barbara made the company, which was very small then, super intimate and made everybody feel really important and used a lot of old school techniques that I really love. Like when you made your first deal, you got a ribbon that said first deal that was pinned to your desk. So not only were you proud of yourself, but all your coworkers were able to acknowledge your accomplishment. Yeah. You know, rather than the competitive environment of like, well, what are you selling and how is your business going? Like, well done. Yeah. 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 And especially for women, it's hard to toot our own horns, right? We're always sort of told (laughs) like, oh, just kind of, you know, hang out in the back and don't be so full of yourself and don't speak too highly of yourself. Just be gracious. So to have somebody say, no, like, what, what you and I are constantly doing. No, but you did that. Like, yeah, yeah. Here's the ribbon. Like, celebrate that. Let everybody know. And totally. if you're not going to do it, we'll do it for you, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the things I really like about my business, too, is we have to brag. And it's not supposed to be humble because there are like 20,000 real estate brokers in New York City. And there's a hundred different ways they're going to get served to you or you're going to get bait and switched on a rental apartment and end up dealing with a broker you hate. Mm. And like, you're like, I mean, at least now you don't have to pay them a big fee for the privilege of the apartment. But I think learning how to brag about your accomplishments in a way that's positive Mm. and do so where you're feeling good about yourself, even working in a business I've heard that the least respected business on earth is stockbroker closely followed by real estate broker Mm. because people think we're just out for the money. Mm-hmm. I don't know where esthetician falls on the list, but I would think high. We get that reputation in some way. It's a specialized yeah. skill. I mean, Which is so weird. Yeah. It's like, no, you yeah. need this product because your skin needs help. You just came to me for a facial. Right. So right. I do think sometimes right. we get almost a similar reputation in that way. I mean, I've had yeah. clients complain like, oh, I went to so-and-so and she tried That's to upsell true. me. That's so true. You're right. Upsell. That's really so much. Yeah. You're yeah, offering yeah. Really products yeah. at the end. You're yeah. somehow upselling. Yeah. It's like, that's no, just like, my job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or I just right. studied your skin for right. an hour so I really know, under a microscope, right. like, totally. I really know what you need. Yeah, totally. totally. That's a really good point. Yeah, so I think, so maybe we're not the same, but I get it. Yeah, depending on Definitely where. similar. Sure. I mean, well, and maybe that's why you and I are very similar and that like we're the um outliers in that like we mm-hmm. and so the reason i was looking at you crooked is because like we care so much about right you're like that's not like, true yeah, that's not true that's not <laughs> true at all but it's because like we care so much that like and the people come to the people our clients come to us because we have a reputation for caring so much and for like educating our clients and for giving you the best recommendations but also working with you and i think that that's probably where you fall also within the outliers of your industry and in that like you truly i saw your face light up when you're like girl let's talk about housing let's talk yeah. about like how we're going to like make housing like yeah uh, um 
not housing for all, but just like, you're going to tell me at least how I can buy a house and hopefully you right, tell yeah. me how I can buy a house. <laughs> also, it's like, yeah, of course you want to make the sale. That's your job. Capitalism. You want right. to make money. Yes. yes. And you're trying to help this person. It's just very strange that people make up in their own head what your motive is. Well, but here, I mean, the reality, too, is that like the way to really like have power in this country anyway is like real estate and law. Right. Yeah. Those are kind of like the ways to amass power. And so that's probably why people sort of just like look at it kind of sideways. And that's why we all want it. Right. That's why we're all trying to figure out how right. do we get our how, how do we get our hands on it? How can we also have like this piece of the American dream, which like what does that totally. mean anymore? But that's a whole nother story. So. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. But I think I think the most important thing that is slowly happening more probably because of the pandemic and video and all of these things is the tools are becoming more accessible to learn about things Mm -hmm. like real estate where I'm not holding the keys. Instead, I'm your tour guide on an adventure you've selected. Mm, Like like the ability to go on street easy and see what's out there. You know, the way you were saying you shopped for your apartment and you mm-hmm. really knew you were getting something great. You were like, well, I used to rent for this, but I yeah, got it for this. Totally. Like, that's real estate broker based knowledge. Mm-hmm. And where I can now offer guidance is using tips and tricks and like tax loopholes and methods of repayment on mortgages, which all sounds like relatively boring, but I do my best to spice it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like adulting, though. Adulting isn't always yeah. like, sexy, but yeah. we all like want it's these important. things and it's important to learn them because like we don't. I mean, that's the big like trick of the country of adulting is like nobody teaches you unless right. your parents teach you. You have to go out of your way to learn you know, about finance, about real estate, about all of these things, about exactly what we're talking about, wealth building um, things in this country and tools in this country. So you're right. It's probably not sexy, but like you're a young woman that's trying to teach other young women. So let's go. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> well, and also what's really unique about my business, unlike others, is it's not pay to play. Like you could call me and be like, I want to buy an apartment. Like, I really want to buy an apartment. And we can talk for hours. We can spend the next six months looking for apartments. At the end, you could be like, oh, you know what? I don't want to buy an apartment. And I am just gambling that Mm -hmm. even if you don't want to buy an apartment, maybe you'll tell your friend that you loved hanging with me. or maybe, And they'll come to me. Mm -hmm. Or maybe one night you'll come to my house and have a drink and then tell a friend, like, oh, have you heard about Casa Powers? And now, like, my other business is getting put on. But I think it's definitely a synchronicity highway business. Mm -hmm. Like, no one is ever guaranteed to pay me. And ultimately, I transact on one out of ten. But I count myself very rich in friends and hugs. So if I'm prioritizing those things, I think I'm in good shape. Yeah, I miss hugging. I, I miss hugging the most. Yeah, That's been a hard one. Blanket hugs are really working. You throw a blanket over someone, you hug them. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute. I'll try that with a client tomorrow. Yeah, like, oh, and- wait one second. Me- I've just been doing the nerdy, blanket. like... Hug yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, so uh, so that's a little bit about you. And where should where do you want to start on this um, journey that you're going to take us on today? Um, Well, I think I want to talk a little bit about how you can try to get into a space of owning instead of renting. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Sounds great. So the 
Somebody once told me, like, have you ever thought about how many, like, slices of pizza you've eaten in your life? And I was like, no, I'm a native New Yorker. I've eaten millions of slices. <laughs> but they were like, well, imagine all those slices of pizza, like, stacked up around you in a room. Uh-huh. And it was a really insane image. Uh-huh. But I often think about that with people who are renting. So if you think at the end of the year about all the money you've spent on rent stacked up around you in a room, it's a ton of money. Mm. So my goal in trying to help people move towards ownership is helping them buy something, even if it's really small, Mm. to get them started because owning property is like a forced savings plan. Mm. And there are so many cool tools set up in America for first-time home buyers. And we are also living in a moment where mortgage interest rates are historically low. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was referencing my parents in 1975 paying 36 grand. Mm. They had to borrow all that money from my dad's boss. And he repaid it slowly over a bunch of years because interest rates on mortgages were 17%. Mm. Holy shit. Which is like, what would you pay? I mean secretly like interest rates on credit cards are 17 percent, and nobody talks about it yeah but like credit cards at least when you're swiping you're making a conscious decision a lot of people go into purchasing real estate high end or low end not really thinking about how much they're going to ultimately pay back on their mortgage Mm -hmm. and 17 percent is ludicrous Mm -hmm. when i started it was six percent and i thought that was cheap now we're below three percent Seventeen percent wow. over thirty years, Jesus, and that's the other thing. That's a diff- other difference between a mortgage and a credit card, right? Is like, how long are you really going to pay off a right. credit card versus like a mortgage? Right. Thirty years. Seventeen. That's so nice of his boss, by the way. Oh, yes. yeah, so nice. I'm yes. like, where is this guy now? Can I <laughs> yeah. That was really. Oh, that's a lot about your dad that, too. Totally, he must have loved yeah. your dad. Also, yeah. that's such like an old school thing to even like yes. ask, to ask your, your boss, boss for thirty six thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, like I don't think that's a thing now. Yeah, don't ask me for that. I don't know. Also, how far is that getting you today? Honestly, that's, like, not helping. Right, right? Like, you gotta ask somebody else too, girl. <laughs> I can do nothing with that. <laughs> Pay off your credit card bill. Yeah, girl. Oh my god. Come no, but that really loans, Joe. All right. Yeah. No, but that <laughs> shocks me. And like what's really interesting is that home ownership is set up unlike student loans or credit card payments for everything to be in the favor of the buyer. Like particularly in New York, the buyer pays nothing for the privilege of working with a broker. Mm. And if you buy a co-op, which I know everybody is spooked about, but we can talk about why it's not scary. There are so few closing costs. Mm. So like the actual cash you need to have to transact and purchase is a lot less than people think because you're not buying real property. You're buying shares in a corporation, Mm. which is a crazy like New York City specific style of ownership. Yeah. But you you literally own. So most people don't like it because you are buying into a property and your neighbors own shares of the same corporation. So decision-making is done as a group, which, as we all know, there are employees and bosses, and as much as there can be open communication, at some point someone has to be the decision-maker. And I think a lot of times people here in New York, horror stories about co-ops, you know, I got this amazing deal to sell my co-op and my board turned down the buyer. Mm -hmm. Um, 
or like personally, I'm obsessed with beam ceilings. I ripped my ceiling off in my co-op apartment, which cost $800. And mm-hmm. my co-op immediately like brought action against me, enlisted a co-op attorney really? who was like an architect who was oh 350 God. an hour who I had to pay for. Wow. And insisted that I put the ceiling back up for $8,000. Wow. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Just However. Like, it just looks pretty. <laughs> I was like, I just love beams. And they were like, you idiot. They are the floor of the unit above you. Oh, my God. Everything you're doing. (laughs) I just, like, didn't know, you know. Ten years in real estate. I like your style. I like you didn't know. You didn't ask. Yeah. No, no. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Not in New York City. I like that. I like that, too. But what's really cool is it was my starter apartment. I was very fortunate to get a gift from my parents. And together, we strategized ways that it could be tax beneficial for them to share that money with me. Mm. And then I did a deep dive on mortgages. And the best thing I learned is that the 30-year fixed mortgage, which is like the primary mortgage that everybody knows about, was invented when people used to buy a house when they were 30 and spend 30 years paying it off and then you're 60 and like finally you're free and clear this is fantastic yeah like how also how boring to live in one house for your whole life that's not the way our society functions and certainly not in New York City where Mm. the average person moves every five to seven years I think you said you were in your place for like yeah six years and then then five you outgrow it yeah girl I'm trying to never move again but yeah (laughs) your place is gorgeous locking that locking that rent for seven years people look I'm trying to be the lady who never left after the pandemic yes (laughs) in 30 years that's the real people in 2020 and never left (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean yeah so I don't like that product I don't like that design I mean I think it works for some things like in this warehouse I own I don't ever want to give this up I want my Mm -hmm. kids to have the privilege of this yeah but when I bought my one bedroom apartment there was a myth that when you moved into this building you immediately met someone you were going to marry so I was like all right well that sounds great I'm 29 (laughs) and single let's do it um and so I talked to my lender and I was like what other products do you have and he was like well there's a five-year adjustable rate mortgage and a seven-year adjustable rate mortgage and I was like oh no everybody told me adjustable rate mortgages are terrible I've heard about this 17 percent I don't want to do this he was like Whoever was telling you that didn't know how to take advantage of this system because your interest rate is locked at a lower rate for five or seven years. And it's significantly cheaper than the 30-year fixed. Mm. So knowing when you buy a one-bedroom, for me, I turned 30 right before I bought it. Five years later, I was going to be 35. I don't think I was going to – I mean, I wasn't sure, but – I was slowly outgrowing the East Village. Yeah, I was slowly cool. outgrowing. Yeah, I mean, moving is fun and interesting, and your mm-hmm. life evolves. You know, all the cells in your body change every seven years. Maybe you want to change your housing, yeah. too. <laughs> I've been in my apartment seven years. Yeah. yeah. Hey, years. this and could be your year. Yeah. Oh, really? So that's interesting that you said that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's. it's really common, and I think a lot of people's – what's really unique for me is a lot of my buy- – I'm 37. A lot of my buyers are my age or younger, and whenever I mention this to them, even when I say, like, you could push higher on what you could afford – 
or decrease what you're spending each month or maybe own for the same amount you rent for if you do one of these adjustable rate mortgages Uh they say like oh my parents said I can't do this and I'm like cool give me your parents phone number I'm going to call them yeah (laughs) because honestly it's fixed for five or seven years and then they tell you in advance what it's going to go up to and it's usually only one percent point higher so if you're at a two percent it goes to three percent which is still not prohibitive and you can refinance like your apartment will probably grow in value so why would you not refi like okay so seven year fixed mortgage so what would you put as a down payment for that Okay, so in New York City, they want you in a co-op to put down 20%. Mm-hmm. Putting down 20% is usually a good call because you own 20% and the bank owns 80 mm. Like overall as a ratio, yeah. you have a good stake in the game. You know, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. In a condo, you can put down 10%, but you usually have to pay something called private mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. So just like so another you put down a added lower percent. Uh, a lower percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because basically if you put down anything below 20%, so even if you put down 19%, you'll probably have to pay private mortgage insurance. So I've, I've been walking around saying, private mortgage insurance is terrible. Don't do this. I don't know. Somebody mm-hmm. scared me about it years yeah. ago and bad on me because I didn't do my research because now I have a client who really want, found an apartment she fell in love with. She could really only ap- afford to put 15% down, but the mortgage interest rates are so inexpensive mm-hmm. that she wasn't scared to finance more. Mm-hmm. And the private mortgage insurance was 65 extra dollars a month. Oh, wow. She was like, I'm giving up coffee. <laughs> I will make coffee in <laughs> right. my home. Yes. You know? Yes. I'm yes. My so- mother-in-law told me that isn't a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Ha- but she's also been, she's in her 60s and she's been doing mm-hmm. this since she's like 25. <laughs> the interesting like sort of common denominator that I keep hearing over and over is like, People just hearing misinformation. People hear the only people you go to is your parents, right? Like the only right. people that anybody asks <laughs> for information on this is their parents. And it's like insane. Like how else does anybody otherwise like the internet? Totally. And when right? when did your parents buy their home? Girl, my parents years ago? bought their home yeah. in upstate New York <laughs> in like nineteen ninety one. Like it is a way they're they can't even afford to move within their town anymore. Yes. <laughs> so Mark Ruffalo is their fucking neighbor. Like they don't know. <laughs> Are they in Narrowsburg? Ah, how did you know uh, that? Hey, no, I work in real estate. I work in the Stop. whole New York corridor. That's hilarious. You're good, girl. Did no, I, tell I you happen that? to sell. Thank you. I happened to sell a house in Narrowsburg last year. Stop. Um, That's hilarious. Wait, we're on Lake Street. On Gables Road. Girl, I know where that is. You need to Her stop right town now. Mayor. I know, Sharice Taylor's oh, the town really? mayor. I mean, the town I mean, mayor unofficial. girl. The unofficial. <laughs> well, exactly. how cute Facebook. is the laundrette also? <laughs> I know. Girl, I asked them. When I saw those prices, $16. I was like, <laughs> for a bourbon. I was like, so how are you guys doing? They're like, we're doing fine. Yeah, we're I doing great. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> All the Brooklynites moving upstate. Honestly, I cannot believe. Okay, people, you... Listeners of the podcast, y'all know that I grew up in a town of 600 people. This girl just called out of the New York State map, my little town of 600 people, based on one reference. You are very good at your job. You're very well, Mar- good at what you do. A- Thank you. I really appreciate that. Weirdly, Mark Ruffalo has a townhouse in the city on the same block as my husband's parents, too, oh, on the uh, Upper West Side. So I'm in this weird... separation with Mark yeah. Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> <Just whatever. laughs> 
That's hilarious. And he's our tether. That's so funny. He's our tether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Meanwhile, he's like, who? <laughs> yeah. He's like, Sit. Mark. Hi. <laughs> but I'm I'm the good kind of like pushy future Jewish mom aggressive where I would like find his lady's shop in Narrowsburg and write a handwritten note and be like. Not sure if you heard me on the True Beauty podcast last week, but if you didn't, you got a shout out. Oh, that's so funny. Don't forget the Blumstein team right. at Corcoran. Representing Narrowsburg, representing New York. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Um, that's so good. Okay, sorry. That's hilarious. That was great. My mind was just blown. Blow, blown. Yeah. Mind blown. I was like, I told, no. Your town is famous. Your town is famous. It's so weird. Ugh. Uh, okay. It's definitely as a, as a, blowing up. Here's this completely different like tangent that I'm going to yeah. go on with Narrowsburg blowing up is, and actually I wanted to do some research on this before I spoke with you today, and I didn't because I just got caught up. But my the family lore within my mom's family <laughs> is the Harlem brownstones. So my mom's family used to own these brownstones in Harlem. And who knows what happened as to why we no longer own these brownstones. But my whole life, if only we owned the brownstones. Ugh. God damn. You know, I should, we should have those brownstones. So I keep telling my mom, Mom, you cannot get rid of this house. This is your brown. This is your new brownstone. Yeah. The house in Narrowsburg on the lake you can Seriously, never sell. Though. This is our new Harlem brownstone. So, I, and you just proved I it, girl. Agree. You just, yeah. I'm going to tell her, Sharice, you heard it here first. <laughs> well, Honestly. I mean, also tell Sharice that because interest rates are low, there's so many cool ways she can borrow against her house and expand upon the asset she has there. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing that people can do is improve upon their real estate because. Mm. It's your house. Also, right now, we're spending exponentially more time in our homes. I've heard that home improvement is, like, off the charts. But also learning how to do things. Like, I'm sitting in front of a wall where we stripped the sheetrock off and, like, exposed, like, the framing that normally would have, like, insulation in it. But all houses in New York City, for the most part, are really hot if you have houses on either side. So why not have like these cool homemade shelves instead? That's so, you know? so cool. Really I love cool. it. But this is like a really cheap fix. Like we could have spent an afternoon like ripping this off the wall, and instead we had a contractor come in and for like six hundred bucks, now our kitchen looks way cooler. Yeah, I very love cool. it. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, totally. So before we went on our tangent, where oh, <laughs> before I forget, we jumped in with oh um, <laughs> mortgage insurance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ah, mortgage yes. Insurance. Mortgage yeah. insurance. <laughs> Traditional um, mortgage insurance. I guess insurance. the bottom line too is like always weigh your options. Like don't just be like, no, no, no. I I heard that's bad. When yes. it's like, well, yes. why don't you see what it will be? Because this girl, sixty-five bucks a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the end of She's the world. She's buying such a cool apartment too, and we had like a little bit of a disagreement at the beginning because their monthlies are really the killer in New York. Like the affordability structure of being able to make something happen in New York is based on your monthlies. So in a co-op, it's called your maintenance, right. which encompasses like operating the building and the heating and cooling of the hallways and the heat that comes to your apartment and the real estate taxes on the total building. And in a condo or a townhouse, it's your real estate taxes and your common charges. They, they all function the same. But this apartment that she was buying had really high monthlies. And something I fixate on is making sure your debt to income ratio is under 30%. Mm. So this means that like of all the money you're taking home pre-tax each month, 
you don't really want to be spending more than 30% of it on your housing debt. Mm. A lot of people, when they rent, spend more like 50% of their income on their housing. So the co-ops in New York City, their system is actually really good because you can't pass a co-op board or even get your offer accepted unless your debt-to-income ratio is under 30%. And it's why New York real estate stayed afloat in 2008 while the rest of the country was like, in the dumps, right? there were all these protections, debt-to-income ratio, and also when you buy in a co-op, they want to see that you can afford to carry the apartment for two years after you close. So that means you have two years of mortgage and maintenance payments after you close. As a loophole, though, you can borrow this money from a friend or your parents just to get through the board and immediately on closing, give it back. Because Ah. after you close, nobody's ever checking your finances Mm -hmm. again, Mm -hmm. nor can they. Yeah, that's interesting and a nice loophole. I guess the other thing. Yeah, I love loopholes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the other thing with co op boards, though, that like I think probably people are nervous, like that I'm even nervous about, and you and I were kind of talking about this, is that Mm -hmm. New York City real estate scares me for a number of reasons, but a lot of things scare me just because I'm a black woman. And I'm just like, I feel like this space was not. It definitely wasn't meant for me. Now I feel like it like just wasn't meant for people who look like me. And mm-hmm. so now that like it, more so than, you know, in the 70s, let's say it is. And I got a white man on my arm. So <laughs> that makes me look it real helps. good, too. He helps me like pass through a little bit. No, but honest. But joking aside, I don't know. I kind of would like to speak on. I guess one is that's why condos scare me. But two is like. I don't know. What are some options outside of co-ops? Because your friend was kind of just talking about dealing with something similar and that like, you know, this woman came and there's no reason as to why she wouldn't have been accepted except for her race. Like she had so much money. Like it was very obvious oh. to this woman that this was like a okay, racist this situation. Was on what the fuck? Long Island. My friend's a real estate agent oh, and this woman it. was a single black woman. She was like her finances are like amazing impeccable yeah they wouldn't even and and my friend was like i've never experienced where they just like wouldn't even interview the person usually they at least interview and she was denied her interview and she was like i I can't think of any other reason this is also Mm. long island in a pretty white town i mean long island new york what's the difference one totally yeah but i'm sure that that happened yeah i mean and being a single woman so imagine being a woman and you're black. Exactly. I'm sh- I yeah. know that co-ops tend to like. Yeah. So it's just something that's very real. And I don't yeah. really know. I mean, the answer aside from like, don't be racist. Like how to bypass that. But like, are there other Imagine options? if we could just say, <laughs> don't be racist. Exactly. What if my friend no. was like, to the president of He's the like, board. Excuse me, sir. Just, just don't, don't be racist. Be, yeah. Just don't okay. be racist. Let's see you. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> so because like that isn't really a magic bullet. What are some other maybe like options for ownership in New York, if there are any, or like, you know what I mean, aside from uh, co-ops? I think there's a lot of options. So co-ops, obviously Newsday did that huge piece about fair housing, which Mm -hmm. we are supposed to uphold. And there are testers out there. And Long Island, I've known, has a lot of issues like that, as do some parts of New York City, which is why when we present an offer, we make sure that someone's finances are like so crystal clear, like, You're borrowing money from a bank. Here's a pre-approval letter. You want to see if they can afford the debt-to-income ratio? Here's all their assets and liabilities. You want to see a picture of them? Here you go. Like, let's just get this out of the way before we go down this whole road of emotional commitment to a house. Mm. However, New York also has this incredible 
type of ownership called condos, which, you know, in Williamsburg, the entire waterfront is condos. Mm -hmm. And condos actually can't turn down a buyer. So they're a very safe space to buy overall because they don't have the interview process. They don't have the same level of disclosure. They don't have the same restrictions on how you can sublet or renovate mm-hmm. or how you can buy it. Like if you want to buy it in an LLC to protect yourself, mm-hmm. like, you know, we have this house where we throw events. Maybe originally we thought maybe we should buy it in an LLC. So if somebody gets into an accident in here, right. we're protected. Yeah. Also, if a condo does turn down the purchase for any reason, and the only reason I've ever heard of is like they can't identify where someone's money is coming from. Like mm-hmm. maybe it seems a little sketchy. Mm-hmm. The condo has to purchase the unit for the market rate. So what building is going to use $500,000 of their resources for future roof repairs and things like that to buy this apartment to undermine someone's ability to buy it. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. a great loophole. Oh, and yeah. new development is a great loophole. So when you're the first buyer, there's absolutely no approval process. Mm. There's no disclosure. There's no financial proof. Mm. Um, and if you're somebody who's really earning quicker and quicker but don't necessarily have all the money now you just would put down a 10 percent contract deposit on a building that's maybe being built where you fall in love with the floor plan and the sales center Mm. but no one except for the sponsor which is the seller of that type of property gets to weigh in on you as a purchaser Ah, that's interesting that's very interesting yeah yeah Yeah. the only bummer is that there's a lot more closing costs on your way in in a condo Mm, so you have to have a little more liquidity Mm -hmm. although i recently learned you can finance these closing costs Mm -hmm. so you can roll them into your mortgage or you can agree upon a higher purchase price and then take the closing costs out of it so this is another one of these great loopholes Mm -hmm. and there are loan programs where you can put down as little as three percent which is major, you know, that makes it so affordable. They're really, they're more common in neighborhoods where the median income is lower. Mm -hmm. They're not promoted very much. Mm -hmm. I think they should be promoted more. The contract deposit in New York City is traditionally 10%. So to do 3% down and 10% be the contract deposit, we have a gap of 7%, but we can get creative with that. And the other, like, I like this. I like that. <laughs> we can get creative. The the third form of ownership that I think is really amazing is townhouse ownership. Ooh. And I have a lot. <laughs> it's the least expensive thing to carry. Mm-hmm. You do your own utilities. You know, like if you. You want to use very little water, you're not paying for all the water coming into the building each month the same amount. You don't need a managing agent. If you, in our house, we really like AC that's like forced heat. It's like the split system on the wall. Mm -hmm. So we have all of our windows free and we put in this system and it just gets cheaper and cheaper over time Mm because we're on an electric system. But when I first started, I was selling a lot of houses in Bushwick. Mm. that were $500,000. And it, wow. there were just so many of them. Wow. That's like unheard of in New York City real estate. Uh, $500,000 yeah. in a one-bedroom condo. Yeah. Right? Yes. Just, like in Williamsburg. I mean, I... Okay, in 2006, I moved to Bushwick, and I lived in like a three level town home but my landlord was young he probably bought it for that much he was yeah. in his early 30s and his plan was he was renting all three units for a few years and then was moving into our unit so we cool. eventually had to leave because that was part of our lease but looking wow. back now I remember being like oh this like rich young douchebag landlord but I'm like no he got like a really good deal probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our rent yeah. was like nothing so wow 
Huh. And if you have a friend, like, you guys obviously seem to get along well and can talk candidly about topics challenging or easy. Like, you come up with a partnership agreement. I have a lot yeah. of pairs of friends who came together, mm-hmm. split the down payment. Mm-hmm. They were co-borrowers on the mortgage. One of them would take one apartment, one would take the other, and they would rent the third. Mm-hmm. And the agreement was that the the income from the third floor always offset the cost of the building. Mm-hmm. And it was brilliant. I mean, yeah. the real estate taxes are $300 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, all in your, yeah, your expenses to own the house was like under a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Plus mortgage interest rates were low. It was like my friends were buying these houses and owning them for under 4000 a month and able to rent wow. each floor out affordably, you know, 1500 or 2000 a floor. Yeah. So I do yeah. think that's coming back. There was a, the problem, mm-hmm. I feel, <laughs> and this is where I never get investors or developers as my clients, is that a lot of investors and developers bought these houses, yes. really like got renovated them. They bought them for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, scooping up all the opportunities for young mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Did horrific and really ugly renovations oh with gosh. one wall of exposed brick and right. turned around and tried to sell them for one point two. And mm-hmm. the problem is that a bunch of herbs from Manhattan were like, Oh well we can buy a townhouse <laughs> for one point two. Like <laughs> Yeah. 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 yeah but no, now 100%. it's coming back down. Pricing is getting a lot better. Yeah. I'm going to see a townhouse tomorrow. It's a single family townhouse for around a million bucks that you could then split into two again mm. and there's there's like cool. a little sweet spot just north of the jefferson l i think uh-huh. where like you're right on the cusp of queens yeah where you can still get these really Ooh, rad little houses a lot yeah. of people yeah. are going out there ridgewood yeah yeah right on the yeah it's like ridgewood like when you go past sort of like a... cypress ave like past yes that. yeah there's some really cool weird houses over there, and we actually looked at a warehouse. Cool, weird house. Oh, warehouse! Oh, cool, cool, weird, weird, cool, weird. <laughs> no, no weird, 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 cool and weird. <laughs> but awesome. you know, in a townhouse, like you, if you like roommates, like you can take a bunch of roommates. Mm-hmm. If you want an Airbnb, yeah. here's your freedom. And also, like those townhouses might be cool and weird and little, but they're still like 1,800 square feet for like $850,000. Like mm. I'm never going to find you a condo like that in Williamsburg. Right? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. But I, I do think the affordability moment is coming back. Mm-hmm. I think that we haven't seen the impact of the pandemic on the market yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that everybody has been kind of like propped up and surviving and country housing and going up to Narrowsburg and scooping up. I don't know if you've heard what's happening up there. People are fighting each other oh tooth gosh. and nail for yeah, houses well over things asking are, price yeah, people yeah. Are paying, right? 20 oh, people know. bidding on a house oh my god the lot next door to my parents they built like this super modern beautiful home like two bedroom or something my dad was like can you believe they're asking three hundred thousand dollars for this house and i said dad a one bedroom in my neighborhood costs five hundred thousand dollars and he goes oh that's why all these people are coming here looking at it yeah. like, do you know what they paid for their house like thirty thousand dollars like nothing like i'm not even yeah. being facetious i think maybe my parents paid sixty thousand dollars for their house do you know what i mean because right. they moved there in 1991 and the house that they moved into was you know this old farmhouse that was one of the first homes built in the in the neighborhood and my dad oh my like gut renovated everything himself cool. like i mean it was i mean really that's cool, great but- I mean, if somebody else went in and did it with like money, you know, now that yeah. Ruffalo's the neighbor, you know what I mean? Like, 
they could really do something. But that's nice. So hopefully when they do go, well, hopefully they don't sell and like keep it. For you no, guys. they're going to keep it. I remember. mean, at this rate, they can just like probably sell like 600 square feet of their backyard, right? Yeah. <laughs> my dad is shed in the backyard. <laughs> my dad is so hand, like not even handicrafty. He's make, literally the shed in the backyard, but he's making bricks for the patio. That's yeah. like what he does on his retirement now. That's pretty cute. So funny. I love that. Okay, so, so when we buy our old town home in Ridgewood, he'll have to come. Yes. Back. Yeah. He'll come yes. and break out the front. So that cool. That is also the other secret loophole to success. And that's how I ended up in this warehouse of my dreams. Other than straight up manifestation which I think I want to change to womanifestation this year. Yeah. Um, yes. Manifestation. I, yeah, I'm good on, like, manifestation. Oh, <laughs> yes. I only just realized that. But, I mean, I bought an apartment that was very fine mm-hmm. for the 80s. It had, like, glass bricks and, like, <laughs> some really Oh, my God, it's a glass block. Yeah. Oh. Which is, like, supposed to bring light in. I know. But, like, My parents I think this oh, ring light is doing a better it. job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The but, 80s. Yeah, I did, like, a pretty major gut renovation. And I learned a lot from it. And it certainly took a lot of time and energy and money. But credit cards were invented for a reason. Mm-hmm. And there's some really cool resources in New York City. Like, Habitat for Humanity has a restore, which is where all the old townhouses that get gutted They take all the old doors and doorknobs and light fixtures and beams like this, and you can buy them super inexpensively. That's really cool. Find a great contractor who then strips like 50 years of paint off them, and you have these hardwood doors. Wow. You know, there were some really cool elements I added. And then there were sort of like bullshit real estate broker additions that I added. Like everybody always freaks out when they see a Toto toilet seat. They're like, is that a bidet? How do you use that? I've never seen that before in America. It's like Where's a track? three. <laughs> I know. It's like it's a three hundred dollar thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will tell you on the beauty front. The I think it's a really useful and environmentally responsible move because you don't use as much paper yeah, and you don't use as much water. But you can buy it on Amazon. Yeah. It's $360 on Amazon, and it increases the value of your apartment by $5,000. Yeah. Same thing with a farmhouse sink. I'm literally sitting here looking at my farmhouse sink. It costs $500 on Signature Hardware. It increases the value of your kitchen $5,000. Wow. Like, there's some really easy, not easy, obviously, to spend money to make money. But But things that are easy to obtain with very little debt. Yes. Right. That makes sense to me. Yes. I mean, that all <laughs> yes. makes a lot of sense. But I think, like, these are just little things that no one would know. I would not know right. had you not told me that. Yeah, so yeah, I'll get a right. fucking farmhouse sink. I've been wanting one anyway. I mean, yeah, I'll they're amazing. I did. Well, I guess that's the other question is like when we were talking with some with one of our clients about this conversation, she was like, ownership, girl, how do you get a down payment? And I was like, well, that's a great question. How do you get a down payment? I'm not sure. Because in New York, okay, so there's a funny new series on HBO with Fran Leibowitz called like Pretend Like You're You're in a City. And she said that she was trying to get somebody to come back to New York and they're like, I can't afford it. And she said, nobody can afford to live in New York. We just make it happen. We just somehow like all for years and years have been able to make it happen. It's true. And it's kind of, I was like, she's not wrong. How did we, I was making $10 an hour at 19 supporting myself in Bushwick. I mean, it was Bushwick, but. There's so many reasons why. I I just always make it work. shoes as if I could afford that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's so many reasons why we can't afford it. But do you have any tricks or tips as to how to get the down payment? 
I got you. This is my number one topic. The first piece of advice is do not buy coffee outside of your house. I'm sorry to all of our local coffee shops. I am obsessed with coffee. I want to buy it all the time. Between us, I do buy it all the time. (laughs) That is a thing where the metric is really not in your favor. Like investing. Crack, literally. Yeah. And, and investing in a Keurig or a French press and yes. buying coffee will save you exponentially more money. And if you put that $5 a day into a separate bank account, you will be shocked how quickly you've saved a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Now, since that's like sort of a bullshit tip, um, <laughs> my other tip is that anybody in your life, particularly your parents, can give you $15,000 a year tax-free for both parties. It's a really unique thing that's designed for the transfer of wealth. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this is important and why learning to talk to your parents is important about money and something most people are not comfortable with, Mm -hmm. mostly because of their parents, not because of them, Mm -hmm. is because people don't want to share. It's like weirdly private, like sexual stuff, although everybody loves (laughs) to talk about it. Right, you're right. So the reason... about money, $15,000 for my parents. But you're absolutely right. It's shocking. But it's it's probably not. They'd probably be like, yeah, let's talk about it. But yeah, it's, it's and weird. also if you Google how much inheritance taxes, because I also think there's a huge mentality like you'll have it when I'm gone. You'll get this big lump sum. Mm-hmm. Inheritance tax is very high. So when you do get a big lump sum, you pay a huge portion of it to the government. Mm. And whose parents don't want to see their child with the pride of home ownership while they're alive? Right. You know, right. so annually either parent or close friend can give you $15,000 a year tax-free for both parties mm-hmm. obviously 15 grand doesn't get you that far but if you do it you know if we had had this chat on December 28th as we had planned parents could have given it to you on December 28th if mm-hmm. both parents can afford to do it that's $30,000 If they can do it again on January 1st, that's another $30,000. Here you are, you have 60 grand. That's a 10% down payment on a $600,000 apartment. Or even if they can give you like $5,000, like even if they give you like something to like to help cushion whatever it is that you're bringing to the table that can like help, you know, like it's a pandemic. Let's keep it real. Not everybody's $15,000 laying around that they don't (laughs) need right now. But like, of course not. But But I think there are a lot of parents who can. They probably can. Well, you're right. But definitely. It sounds scary. If you've never spoken to your parents about money, $15,000 might sound scary. Maybe start with like, yeah, Five. Five. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Also, what, it doesn't something. have to be a lump sum. Exactly. It, you could yeah. say to your parents, you know, the way they always say, like, keep the change on your Bank of America card. You could say to your parents, you know, I'm really trying to buy a home. Is there a world where you could give me a thousand dollars a month for the next 12 months that I assure yeah. you I'm going to put in a high interest savings account? Um, American Express actually has one of like the highest interest savings accounts that mm. exists right now. Mm. And because it's so obscure and there's no like branches, you're not going to go like pull it yeah. out to buy $400 shoes, which I would do. Well, you see. <laughs> but, Wait, that's <laughs> really good problem. to know. Yeah. 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 Also, there are a ton of credit cards that are interest free for one year. So if your goal is to buy an apartment, you know, and you think you might have a really good year, like I work in a commission-based business, if it's looking like I'm going to have a great year of a lot of sales, you can open this credit card, there's no annual fee, and you just put all your expenses on it and just pay the minimum or a little more over the course of the year. And as you get towards the end of the year, if you have enough to pay it back, you do, but it's a great way to save money. There's a lot of creative ways to work around what is out there, and very few of them are shared. 
Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, if you're able to get a down payment together, I accept the challenge of finding you a home that is the same price as your current rent. Mm. Because you get tax benefits from home ownership that you don't get as a renter. Mm. Plus, as your property appreciates, the probability of making money on the back end is a lot higher. So you're investing in yourself. You know, you right. said you wanted a farm sink. Who doesn't want a farm sink? They're like the <laughs> sexiest <laughs> thing in the kitchen. I know. I'm like, Honestly, I'm ready to just right? get one for my rental. Look at it. <laughs> but like, if I, I, I was your landlord, I would say, I would love for you to put in a farmhouse sink. If you take care of the expense of the install and purchase, I will deduct that expense from your upcoming month's rent. And now your apartment's a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. So if the pandemic rages on and you have a really hard month and you say to your landlord, I really need a a discount on the rent this month. As you know, I've been improving your property and your asset. I'd be really grateful if you could help me improve my own financial picture right now by giving me a reduction on my rent this month. And I won't leave you with a vacancy. Hmm. Well, this is a strong arm, girl. That is a strong arm to play. But it's very true. I mean, when I'm looking, the amount of apartments that are available is like shocking. And I imagine, I mean, I know my landlord, the apartment upstairs was empty for almost four months. He lowered it like 500 bucks and then he got someone in there. But like, yeah, I feel like for the first time in my life, I have the upper hand. Yeah, you do. Well, two is like people, if you're listening to this and you live in New York City and you haven't gone shopping for an apartment, (laughs) it's like, I'm kind of, I'm only being half facetious. You need to go apartment shopping. You can get. The deals that you can get, it's like you can level up your life, you know, for like a little bit more. What used to be completely unattainable is now attainable because everybody else left. And to me, it's like the reward for sticking through the pandemic is now here you go. (laughs) Live where you actually should be living, not in a shit dump. (laughs) And also, like, I think moving to Narrowsburg sounds exciting. I just I live in New York City. One of the many reasons is I don't cook. So one of the great things I get to do is support small businesses, which is great, you know, and restaurants in our neighborhood. And when I do go upstate, I'm like, shit, what am I going to eat next? (laughs) Like, there's a limit to what I can create for myself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I have a question. We've also been in our place a long time. We do see ourselves leaving our apartment in the next year. So probably now wouldn't be the time. But is that a thing where you make improvements you want on your apartment you're renting? Yeah, I would talk to your landlord about it. A lot of my clients do it because they're like, listen, I have a rodent problem because there are holes in my baseboard. Like, I don't, I've asked my landlord to fix it 50 times, but my landlord lives in Hawaii and he doesn't care because he bought this building for 30 grand in 1975 and I'm paying him 3,500 a month. So what I usually say is in writing, tell your landlord It would radically change my life to have a farmhouse sink. I understand it sounds silly, but I spoke with this badass real estate broker, Sydney Blumstein. You can look her up. And she said this will will increase the value of the rental of this apartment in the future and hopefully make it easier for you to rent. And I will tell you, I don't know the last time you lived in this apartment, Mr. or Mrs. Landlord, But I will tell you that this sink you have here is backed up all the time and it's trash. Mm -hmm. So I need this improvement and I'm willing to put out the cash for it, but would appreciate that same and equal reduction in my rent for the next month. You're basically doing the work. It's like what landlords don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in my own home, I don't want to make improvements, but fortunately my husband likes interior design. So I just kick them to him, (laughs) but 
the best. They do improve your quality of life, and a happy tenant is important. And right now, there's nearly 40,000 vacancies in New York City. Holy and it's, shit. That is insane. What's an average? What's an average? Historically, it's between five and 7,000. And there's 40, 40? 40, 40,000. Wow. Well, I didn't realize it was. Holy I, that's a huge. Thank you for telling us what the average is. Yeah. That's a huge difference. That's insane. It is insane. Where are the yeah. most vacancies? Do you know? Like what part of the city? Um, that is a really My good question. My assumption would be big rental towers, like oh, immense yeah. towers, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, things like 300 Ashland, which is in Fort Greene. Yeah. I, I don't know. My friend's aunt lives there. Yeah. Uh, anything that's like a dedicated rental building that has a lot of the same product line after line. The financial mm-hmm. district has a lot of that. Also, mm-hmm. a lot of those buildings were built during a time where there were tax abatements given to condominiums to be built in neighborhoods where there weren't a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And all those tax abatements expire this year. So the landlords are actually looking at increased costs while tenants are looking at decreased desire to pay. Oh. So that's why I think we're going into an unusual market. And I'm usually a lone voice in this. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm an eternal optimist, but right. like how can prices not have come down more substantially in the pandemic? I don't understand that. Mm. I think rentals have gotten cheaper, but sales I certainly noticed. haven't adjusted. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a we have a three to six month delay on reporting for it, so I think that could be where some of the gap is. We haven't really seen the published transactions, mm-hmm. but I think also there needs to be an adaptability in the affordability of New York City. Mm-hmm. Like we can't just keep building these super towers with three or four bedroom units that are wildly expensive. I went to a new development on Fourth Avenue in St. Mark's, and the broker was really. He almost convinced me that 4th Avenue is like Park Avenue of South Brooklyn. Mm. And then I walked out on the 4th Avenue and I was like, I'm not sure that's true. Right. But the developer is so devoted to this idea that he came up with a a year or two or three ago that they have to stick with this mantra in their selling practices. Yes. Whereas if we just made the prices more affordable, they'd sell out on Yeah. Yeah. And also allow a lot of young people to invest in real estate and rebuild the city the same way it was rebuilt in the 70s mm-hmm. when New York was bankrupt and they started selling off cool spots like this warehouse. Like, that's why a lot of people in Chelsea live in old firehouses mm-hmm. or yes. garage-style oh, spaces. Yeah. That. Oh, my so God. Do cool. you think that will happen? Okay. Ah, I, I'll <laughs> <play tonight. laughs> yeah, I think that we just need more more adjustment I think yeah. we haven't fully adjusted and it's because a lot of the people selling now are the people who bought in 2015 right so they're not recouping what they spent right. whereas you don't have a ton of people who bought in the 70s right selling they sold them yeah they yeah. sold them they got out or they live in such big apartments that it's kind of off the radar for us but I am seeing a lot more affordability in places that need renovation so if it really excites you to think about farmhouse things or you find yourself on the house app a lot which is like real estate porn like tinder <laughs> style swiping yeah like really consider buying something that needs a cosmetic renovation particularly on the upper east side right now really? like you can buy wow. a gigantic one bedroom mm-hmm. below six hundred and fifty thousand, really? which doesn't sound wow. cheap but yeah no, no it does. That sounds building. Cheap. that's like new york city cheap yeah. Yeah, I think. It sounds. No, it is. It's always it going to be expensive here until it's underwater. It's where right, everybody yeah. wants to be. It's right. the center of the universe. Totally, yeah, you know, totally. everything comes through this nexus. Yeah. And we're closer to Western Europe than anywhere else. So we have this tether between like 
the old world and the new world. Totally. And sure. it's a great place to be. Look, we I had a wax and now we're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, like, only, only in, in New, New York, York in New right? York. It's so true. Yeah, it's I know. So true. It's so like I mean, I talk about my grandma all the time on here, but my grandma's in her late nineties and she her and my grandpa bought their apartment on fifty sixth street in the seventies and through the pandemic, she has not wanted to be anywhere else. Right. Like she is not willing to go anywhere. She's a true New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Which made me realize, I'm like, if my old ass grandma can hack it through, like, I'll be fine staying here. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'm really interested in just like doing more digging around with like all the things that you're saying. Just like yes. getting this money more together. More digging. It's making me feel better in the sense of like, I think in the last couple of years, I've been feeling like, wow. I've been in North Brooklyn for like almost 15 years and I feel like I don't belong here anymore because I feel like everyone is like here financially, Mm -hmm. you know, because all these new people, especially in the last like five years, I feel like people with a lot of money have moved in even 10 last 10 years. And I felt like kind of left behind in a way. And now I feel like, oh, maybe like. I mean, the interesting thing I thought over the last five years was watching this bubble, this this real estate bubble, because I've always been too young to understand really what these things look like. And I think in most major cities, we were all over the last five years seeing these huge developments coming in and on every corner in the, North Brooklyn, I'll say, not, maybe not every, no, and everywhere in Brooklyn, everywhere in Brooklyn, yeah. like every corner, these huge luxury towers have been mm-hmm. going up. And I've just been thinking, like, who is moving in here and how do these people all have $4,000 a month for rent? Like, it's a great question. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks, girl. I'm really curious. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. And to see, to now be at the, like, I knew that something was going to make this bubble pop. Nobody knew it was going to be a pandemic. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not claiming that. It's kind of crazy that that's but, the only, right? But here we are, bubble pops, other side of it. And but secretly, we were leveling off or plateauing already, but really? nobody mm. wants to, like I was saying before, you have to not so humble brag in real estate. Mm-hmm. I don't feel anybody wanted to say the market's looking soft. Like mm-hmm. things are not moving quickly because from 2012 to 2016, we were really rocketing along in our recovery. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing podcast. Um, there goes the neighborhood, which talks about the history of Brooklyn Ooh. and how it gentrified and developed to what it is now. Mm-hmm. And talking about how a lot of people got taken advantage of being bought out of their houses mm-hmm, at sure. sort of the wrong time. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's very educational to know how Brooklyn developed the way that it did. Mm-hmm. And at least growing up in Manhattan, I, until I was, I, I mean, I remember going to a party in Dumbo when I was 17. I know, I was going to say, I knew and... that you never went to Brooklyn. <laughs> I knew you never came to Brooklyn, girl. No way. that river. <laughs> I have a joke that my mom is a witch, and she, like, had never crossed over water to come to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, here we are, four Native New Yorkers living in this warehouse because there was not even a remote possibility for us to do something like this at the same level of affordability in Manhattan. And what's really interesting is in the pandemic, Brooklyn prices have stayed almost the same, mm-hmm. maybe a slight adjustment. And Manhattan prices have come down a lot, yeah. like significantly. Mm-hmm. So the moment to kind of go back to Manhattan is slowly arriving. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have this huge like retail void. Like how many retail shops are empty in Manhattan totally. right now? Do you? OK, so I don't know. I, kinda, I told my husband to we should move to Lower that? East Side. I don't know if you know anything about <laughs> commercial real estate also but i think that's uh the other really interesting thing is the real estate like okay so this is kind of another tangent but um you know my boyfriend owns a restaurant and they have 
they still kind of not anymore, but they've did things old school for a long time, pens of paper. Mm-hmm. And we have so many fucking receipts because you know I have to hold on to everything for seven <laughs> years. And so right. when we were moving, I was just thinking like, oh my God, pre like digital, the pre-computer, all of these buildings in Manhattan must have been just filled with receipts, with all of these corporate receipts and paperwork. Like it must have been. And then after the digitization happened, the new way that those office spaces, I guess, were used. And now we're moving into like this next phase of Manhattan real estate, which like, are there even going to be office spaces? Is there even going to be like retail? Like right. at least in Manhattan, like what's that going to look like? And I'm not asking you to like, guess. No, I think it's thoughts? a really good question. Commercial real estate is a completely different animal. Like, mm-hmm. I think residential real estate is very emotional because it's obviously where you're going to live. Um, but commercial real estate is like a different thing altogether. It's it's more male dominated. It's more mm-hmm. nine to five, Monday to Friday. Whereas I don't really have those hour restrictions. But I have heard a lot of rumblings that the legalization of weed is something they're really looking towards for these retail spaces. The proliferation of dispensaries Mm. could provide the city with like a huge amount of needed income towards real estate tax and revenue because they tax it so heavily. And because the spaces are so big, they can really accommodate that industry. Mm -hmm. I think also we moved in the wrong direction in terms of size in New York City. Like I think the charm it's like everybody has amnesia about how, like, charming, like, brownstone neighborhoods are. Mm-hmm. And for the last decade, developers have just been knocking down brownstones, building the same glass and steel, boring-ass yeah. apartments. Mm-hmm. That then when I'm a broker and I'm showing somebody through them, they're like, wait, are we in 3A or 4A? And I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. It looks Ugh. exactly the same. Yeah. Dorms. Those are like college dorms. Yeah. Expensive ass. Going back to like your, your space is like exactly what is beautiful about retail in New York city. Mm -hmm. It's intimate. It's small. It's big enough for you guys to up you gals to operate your business. I mean, everybody wants more space in New York. That's a thing, but it's also street level and felt so accessible Mm -hmm. that when you're just on one of those, like, incredible late afternoon springtime wanders you're like looking in the window Mm -hmm. and being like what's up in here Mm -hmm. and meeting people Mm -hmm. and I don't think like 20 gigantic forever 21 creates that emotion percent yeah 100% totally well like you said earlier the full effects of the pandemic on real estate have not even like shown yet Mm -hmm. and I'm so interested to see what happens in the next like year or two Mm -hmm. I mean I don't even know if that's how far in the future We'll see it or when, mm-hmm. but it's definitely interesting. I mean, a little scary, but also kind of cool because I don't think like for your industry, I feel like there will still be people who want to buy. It's just going to be different people, maybe, you know, who yeah. couldn't mm-hmm. buy a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, these people who left and like went to Narrowsburg or wherever, I have to imagine eventually they're going to be like, what do I do now? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. There's Some of them. There's an article in the Times about it. A lot of these New Yorkers who are like, "Well, where do I get wood? <laughs> like for my fireplace, or like who fixes my roof?" Go chop it yourself, you know? motherfucker. Totally. I think totally. you're going to see a movement back to the city and a glut of Airbnbs upstate, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. New Yorkers need escapes anyway, yeah. but I think you're just going to see every client. I've I've sold five houses upstate in the past year, and. Mm-hmm. Every client is like, well, it's just a weekend house. I'll be airbnb it during the week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, 
I think all the New Yorkers are going to want to come up on the weekend. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> undermining. <laughs> Just a guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So interesting. Really interesting. What is so like your mom has been in the biz for so long. What is she saying right now? Is she like freaked out at all or is she? No, she never freaks out. She always says people will always need to move. The, yeah. the reasons are birth, death, divorce, marriage and debt. And those five things yeah. make real estate a constantly evolving business. The hardest thing is getting people to adapt to the realities of the situation. Right. And like we're in an unusual market. We can't use the same techniques or pricing strategies. So anybody trying to pull to even 2020 into the 2021 reality is doing themselves a disservice. Mm-hmm. She's also an eternal optimist. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, I was here in... 98 when the market crashed and we yeah, were here in September true, after September 11 totally so. that's the thing with New York also it's, it's been here for 600 years it ain't going nowhere uh-uh. right you know and I and think it always exceeds where it was before mm-hmm. when they always. always say we'll never get back to where we were before yeah. okay but the dips are always going up mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I also think uh like over the summer I would ride my bike into Manhattan a lot and my husband was like why are you all of a sudden like wanting to go into the city all the time? I'm like, oh, I have I'm feeling for it the way that I did when I was like 13 and my mom would take me to St. Mark's. Really? It's like, this yeah. New, yeah, it's very nostalgic mm-hmm. because something about it feels so different to me. Yeah, and I can't even explain it. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think you're going to see as we get into the spring and summer to a rise of like small pop up shops of mm-hmm. like creatives and artists again yeah. who like. Yeah have been lusting over a space on the Lower East Side that was asking 10 grand a month. And yes. now the owner's like, listen, it really only cost me 2,800 a month to have this space. You can have this for a gallery. Yes. But that's really. asking people not to be greedy for a minute, which is a huge ask for <laughs> a capitalist society. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, I know it's kind of crazy that we had to like hit rock bottom for people to maybe consider not being being kind yeah what i am (laughs) we are so far below rock bottom which i didn't even realize there were several other layers beneath it i know (laughs) it's brand new a little side note that i did want to mention about us talking about like down payments and all this stuff is something that i read in one of my like self-improvement books once slash finance books was um to save that like every 10 years the market's going to, like, something's going to happen. The market's going to dip if we're going through, like, a bear market. Or it's going to be, if we're going through a bull market, it's going to be a bear market. Just, like, save your money for a rainy day, which when you're a kid, you're like, what the fuck does that mean? But what it means is that, mm. like, now that I see what's happening in New York, I'm like, bitch, I'm saving my money for the next 10 years. Like, whatever happens right. in 10 years mm-hmm. so that I'm, like, ready to pounce on one of these townhouses, one of these brownstones, whatever, because I'm seeing it firsthand. Like that dude was right. And that's why he wrote that book. Save your money for like when everything goes on sale. And that's why I joke like girls, New York City's on sale right now. Move. (laughs) If you you wanted to like level up your life. Totally. And as a side note in leveling up your life, like I, so Kevin and I just recently moved into a really beautiful home because of the pandemic. But the reason I bring this up is that I didn't realize how important just living in a nice place was Mm. for your mental health and for like happiness and enjoying your life and wanting to be in your home, which sounds crazy unless you're a New Yorker. If you New Yorker, you know exactly what I'm talking about because we pay for the culture, right? We don't pay for 3,000, 4,000, whatever we do a month for apartments until now we've paid it for, you know, Central Park and for McCarran Park Mm -hmm. and for the whatever. Totally. So it never occurred to me that you could have a nice home and what it meant to just like live 
in a nice place. And so I guess I'm saying this because, I don't know, it's something that we all deserve. And as New Yorkers, and I think that all of us sitting at home right now, we're probably realizing that. Mm-hmm. And if you're living in a really shitty place, take heed to what we're saying and like yeah. save your money, save your coins or like take advantage if you can take advantage. Or but- these things of like if you can't afford to move for whatever reason, if you wanted that farm sink. Yes. Talk to your yeah. landlord. Yes, exactly. um, how do I talk to my landlord about putting in a deck and a whole door? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. How do I build a balcony? <laughs> I would also say, I, I realize I haven't mentioned this. There's a really cool style of ownership in New York called the HDFC buildings, too, which are apartments where they restrict the income you can earn to get into them. Mm. So they're designed to be more affordable. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there was one on Downing Street in the West. Village. It was a two bedroom, two bath. It was asking seven ninety nine, mm. um, and the income restriction was you had to make under one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. That's a very high income restriction. Usually, mm. they're under seventy or eighty thousand. Oh wow! Um, if you're two people, you combine your income. Right. But that style of housing combined with Citibank is one of the banks that has really incredible first-time homebuyer programs, including Mm -hmm. that 3% down that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So if you ladies want to talk about it or anybody listening wants to just run through like this very simple worksheet of your assets and liabilities, which is a good practice anyway, like I have two shares of Nike from my bat mitzvah in 97. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> they were $4,000. Like, that's part of my asset picture yeah. and things that I don't ever think about. But when I got this worksheet, which is something we require of all buyers when we start our intake process, once you have that, you can fill that out. We can talk to a lender, which is also free. And together we can see how far you are along on your journey to make this happen. Rather than immediately feeling like, I think thinking you need to wait for the next pandemic or whatever to buy is definitely a prudent logic. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be illogical and a bit of a risk taker like my parents were or your parents were, like, let's at least see where you're at before we decide whether or not you can afford something. Girl, I like that answer That's a lot. very good Because you're advice. like, you know what? How about you stop telling yourself that you can't do yeah, this? And how about yeah, we say we can not? do this? Totally. You might be able to. Who yeah. knows? Okay, so final thoughts. What are some final thoughts that we have for... Um, thank you so much. I yes. want to say oh, my pleasure. You made thank me feel a little ladies. more confident in yeah, um, honestly. a lot of things. And I really like also ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Yeah. Yes. I like that also. Yes. That will stay it's with me. It's a great, <laughs> yeah. great mantra, yes. especially in New York City. Oh, my yeah. God. We might have to have your mom on next. <gasps> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. You guys would love her. <laughs> yes. She's, this is her vibe. I'm looking at these sunglasses here. This is her vibe. <laughs> so um, But you really taught me a lot that I did not know and also to just give us a little glimpse into like maybe what the future holds as far as like living here renting buying what have you yeah because I think that's important especially for people to hear who maybe are thinking of leaving like don't go there things are gonna be good well that and you know I think I I think that the idea of ownership in New York for a lot of us was just like this faraway dream that like maybe one day it will happen and I think what you just taught us is like the, like start making that happen now like start talking to people come talk to our friend Sydney yes you'll tell us where they can go and see and find out more information from you and like maybe get in touch with you but like just talk to people I think it doesn't hurt to find the right people and start the conversation right. talk towards... to a lender figure out yeah you know 
what you're qualified for. Just There's yeah. And yeah. I have a lot of amazing lenders at every bank. Like if you bank at Wells Fargo and have been there for 10 years, like my girl Kristen will walk you through relationship lending because the bank has seen your finances for 10 years, mm-hmm. which carries a lot of weight. It's so I'm here to be your real estate therapist and your new friend. And I don't want you to just be confident. I want you to be calm-fident. So we're going to calm it down. (laughs) We're going to relax and just try to take the stress out of it because it will help you build for the future and make your future less stressful. Totally. Mm -hmm. I yeah. love that. And I'm I'm really honored to be included on this. Thank you, ladies. You're incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. You taught me a lot. Yes, um, honestly. Thank you. I'm gonna talk to my dad about my crown's inheritance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And just about like this could be a new road for you in terms Also, of, like, you're married. Yeah. Your grandmother can give you and your partner each fifteen thousand dollars this year. <laughs> I'm gonna manifestation <laughs> it. <laughs> yes. Well, you just things terms. like that. People don't know that. Totally. You yeah. know, I didn't yeah. know that. I don't girl, I don't know anything. I don't know any of this. <laughs> I just knew that one day I want to own some shit. And here's somebody yeah. who's gonna like teach me how it can happen. Which is kind totally. of the way I live my life. <laughs> yep. I wanna do that. You know how to do it. Show me the way. Totally. Yes. Thank you so You're not so much. To know. Will I you, thank you so much. Will you tell everybody where they can find out more about you and if you have a website or an Instagram or like where we can get sure. more information? Yep. I'm Sydney Blumstein, which is a really long, hard to spell last name. But if you Google me, the internet will find me. I'm at the, <laughs> I'm at the Corcoran Group. If you want to check out my personal Instagram, which is mostly real estate porn and wedding photos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, and wedding photos. <laughs> I'm Sid the Kid NYC. And um, our space in Brooklyn, if you're curious, which is where real estate and creativity and native New Yorkers all cross together, is Casa Powers, the house on Powers Street. We've got to and go there soon. Can't yeah. wait till I can host you for a party here. Yes. Can't wait. One day. Yeah. Maybe end of the year. Or something. Maybe end of the year. Maybe summer. Yes. Or something. Something. And I really thank you again for this opportunity. It was so nice to chat with you both. It really thank was. You. Thank you. Yes, you taught us so, so much. And I know that our listeners are definitely going to flood you with questions. Hopefully, I'll make sure of it. Yeah. Great. We're a generation that needs some home ownership. Hey, guys. Hey. Hope you loved that interview with Sydney. And I imagine you probably learned something, right? Are me and Elizabeth just dummies who didn't know anything? No, we're definitely not dummies. <laughs> I don't think we're alone. No, because I spoke to some girls earlier about this conversation that we were going to have. And they were just like, ownership, bitch, what you talking about? And I was like, this is why we need to talk about this. Because I think it's this idea that you're just like, well, New York City real estate's expensive. That's it. And exactly. it's like, well, there are loopholes. There are things. And like, yes, maybe some people like legitimately do not have the funds for it. But mm-hmm. I think that if you're paying a shit ton of money in rent, yes, there's a chance that you could also qualify yeah. for a mortgage on an apartment. And I mean, if you're looking to buy anywhere, you definitely have, or at least thinking of, starting some sort of savings so it's not completely like out of the realm like you're thinking about hopefully buying something somewhere I just imagine you never thought it could be New York like up until literally today I was like well it's gonna cost 10 million dollars to own in New York so I guess I gotta get on that (laughs) (laughs) and I really do think I mean I know fucking nothing about the real estate market but I just know that we haven't seen uh, Sydney was saying it too we haven't seen the full effects of the pandemic on real estate and like in the next year maybe even two years 
really things will be even more attainable. I, totally. I don't know. I have no idea. And if I'm wrong, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, take advantage of the things that I just feel like these people moved and bought homes upstate. They're not coming back that soon. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. And I mean, even if you're not looking to buy dudes move, like get an apartment, nice that, you apartment that you, if you love see something you can afford because yes. Or if you haven't looked, start looking because it's out there. And you know what? If you can't afford to move, get you a farmhouse sink. Get a fucking farmhouse sink. <laughs> Maybe just do things within, you know, what you can afford. And, or get and like, yeah, and like talk to your landlord. Yeah. You don't know unless you ask. And it's yes. like, or like Sydney said, like ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Just yes. fucking do it if there's something you want to do. Dude, it's like get a new shower head. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. something that's that little that costs like, I mean, if you really want to get fancy and you're like, well, I can't afford a new home, but I've got a little bit of money. Get like a $200 shower head or something totally. crazy like that. Or just get a $40 shower head. Just do something. A new to like blanket upgrade. for your a couch blanket. that will just yes. be nice to look at. Totally. And also, yeah, just like start thinking about your future and just start thinking about like all the things that can be because, I don't know, I think that the pandemic, it's just there's so much opportunity and it's a really crazy, really sad time, but like you can't keep fucking just sitting still just you we got to start moving forward and this will be part of it this you is know, gonna be part us, of it us staying here number one right yes uh that's it right that's what it. else what um, else do we have to say follow us on instagram if you don't already yes follow us on true beauty brooklyn podcast mm-hmm. Uh, also for our beauty studio, True Beauty Brooklyn. Also, I've been tweeting lately, guys. <gasps> oh, my God. There's a True Beauty Brooklyn podcast Twitter. It's pretty cool. It's cool. It's really pathetic right now. We've got three followers. <laughs> Better than zero, which it was a couple weeks ago. True. But it's been a lot of fun. Up until this week, Twitter's been fun. This week was my first you know, national event that kind of scared me. And I was like, oh, oh this is what Twitter is. Oh, my God. Oh, Sarah, buying this so much. Baby's first Twitter experiences. <laughs> but follow us on Twitter if you're there. When there isn't a national crisis i like to think i'm pretty funny yeah yes. wait like a week or two yeah <laughs> and what else what else review us if you can rate review subscribe always tell your yeah. friends tell a friend we would love that so much if you have questions about anything that sydney was talking about or oh yeah write into us yeah we'll ask her we'll ask her yeah you know that we don't know the answer we will ask We're her for- like, <laughs> we won't know it yes no but we can get it all right just go and visit sydney she gave you all of the ways that you can contact yeah. her but you can email us at true beauty brooklyn podcast at gmail don't forget to send us your milk with your dinner and your I didn't know then but I'm older now and your listener letters for our monthly email excuse me email our, <laughs> our monthly uh, episode with Sabzi and I don't know guys that's it I got nothing else for that's you. it oh the Patreon that's another thing for mm-hmm. you sign that's up it. for the Patreon <laughs> dollar a month one dollar a month and now that's really it that's really it wear your mask we'll see you next week we'll see you next week guys bye bye